Hello, and welcome to Speaking Startup, Missouri Business Alert's podcast covering the news and issues important to Missouri entrepreneurs. I'm Megan Liz Smith, and joining me in the KBI studios is Annika Merrilies. Hey, Megan. We have two topics lined up for today's roundtable discussion. First, Techstars Kansas City just announced their 2018 cohort. We'll take a look at what that means for the startups who were selected. Next, ride sharing, bike sharing, and now scooter sharing are sweeping the nation. We'll check in with Kansas City and St. Louis. After that, an interview with Emily Lozabush, the executive director of Arch Grants, a nonprofit that aims to attract startups to the St. Louis area. They just released their annual report, and Annika Merrilies is going to ask her all about it. Then we're bringing in Missouri Business Alert reporter Christopher Teig for a conversation about some exciting reporting we've done this week. So, let's get started. Our first topic, Techstars, a global accelerator firm. The 2018 lineup has been released for the Techstars Kansas City cohort. Right, the 10 accepted companies will receive $120,000 in exchange for 6% equity. They'll also be able to participate in Techstars Accelerator Program and access Techstars Alumni Network. So what kind of companies were accepted this year? I would say there was an interesting range from smart diagnostic systems, which detects food pathogens, to WattBuy, which helps homeowners manage their electricity plans. Hmm. Techstars funds tech-oriented companies, and they say their typical company models are web-based or other software companies, but they're not necessarily limited to that. And I see that half of this year's startups are Missouri-based, and three of them are in the Kansas City area. That's right. And Techstars itself was founded in Boulder, Colorado in 2006. Its first Kansas City program was just in 2014. And for the first couple years in KC, Techstars ran the program in tandem with Sprint. Huh. So to summarize, Techstars is really adding to the Kansas City startup scene. And stay tuned to hear about Arch Grants, another group working to build up startups, this one based in St. Louis. I spoke with their executive director about their recently released annual report and their current startup cohort. Ooh. (laughs) Our next topic, scooters. Thursday evening, Bird agreed to pull its scooters from St. Louis streets, at least until next week. This is part of a larger trend of cities across the nation butting heads with scooter startups. And just last week, Bird scooters also dropped in Kansas City. Yeah, this has famously been an issue in in my home region of Northern California. San Francisco banned scooters in early June and told companies they'd need to apply for permits before returning. Have you ever ridden one of the scooters? I never have, no. Have you seen people actually riding scooters? I haven't seen them riding these kinds of scooters, but you know the old, like, Razor scooters that everybody used yeah. to love? I, I feel like I've seen, like, a businessman or two, like, zipping around in a suit <laughs> on a Razor scooter in San Francisco. That that might be, like, a region-specific trend. And this issue is not just in the Silicon Valley area anymore. Thursday, the scooters arrived in St. Louis, and just hours later, it was announced that they would be pulled from the streets. Right. The St. Louis Post-Dispatch reported this morning that city officials asked Bird to remove the scooters because they were operating without a permit, but a company statement indicated that Bird is confident that the vehicles will be back in commission on St. Louis streets next week. So it looks like some cities have pushed the scooters out momentarily, but are considering how to bring them back under proper permitting. And it seems that the saga is by no means at an end. In fact, Uber recently invested in Lime, a scooter and bike-sharing startup. So in summary... We've seen this rideshare and now scooter share pattern of companies going ahead and moving into cities and and figuring out the details with local governments later. While companies like Uber and Lyft have gone on to thrive, this latest trend might just depend on how much customers enjoy scooter sharing. And it's it's also this trend of these rideshare companies kind of becoming a part of every step of somebody's transportation, you know, from when you get into the car to when you get out of the car and maybe get on a bike or a scooter. 
They're bringing themselves into every step of the equation. After a quick break, Annika will be interviewing the executive director of Arch Grants. They recently released their 2017 report, and she's going to be asking Emily Lozabush all about it. Then we're going to be bringing in Missouri Business Alert reporter Christopher Teig to give a little preview of an entrepreneurship project we've got in the works. Hi, everybody. I'm Drew Pilevsky, and I'm here to let you know that Speaking Startup is now looking for sponsors. If you're looking for a creative way to market to an audience of informed business decision makers across the state of Missouri, Speaking Startup is the place for you. For more information about how you can promote your company through Speaking Startup, check out the link in the description. Now, back to the program. An annual report was recently released from Arch Grants, a nonprofit organization that's looking to build up the St. Louis startup community. Annika Merrilee spoke with their executive director about what's happened in the past year and what's coming up on the horizon. My name is Emily Lozabush, and I am the executive director at Arch Grants. I grew up in St. Louis, but then moved away. And one of the main things that brought me back was this energy and this excitement around the entrepreneurial ecosystem and innovation in general that's happening in the urban core in St. Louis. How have you seen it evolve over the years? The momentum's continuing to build. We're seeing that both in terms of companies that want to come here and then also in terms of following capital, venture capital. It's always been an issue in St. Louis, and it's not one like many other Midwestern cities. If they get money from the East or West Coast, are those investors going to ask them to move? One of the great trends that I think we're just starting to see the beginning of is there's enough critical mass here that they don't see as much of a reason for companies to automatically leave communities like St. Louis. Could you tell me a little bit about Arch Grant's pro bono support services? Yeah, we're a five-person staff. So once the new cohort has either comes to St. Louis or is awarded the Arch Grant, that's when the work really starts for us. We ask our companies to be here for a period of at least a year. We have a year to show these companies what it looks like to be a St. Louis startup and how much value this community can provide. A big part of that is what we call our angel vendor network, which is pro bono or highly discounted legal accounting marketing services for all of our companies. We just act as a connector, and then they work together for a year, and hopefully beyond that. The program serves entrepreneurs who locate their early stage businesses in St. Louis, but then when I was reading through the report, I saw that a a good number of the recipients were listed as outside of Missouri or even outside of the U.S., So is that part of the deal that they could be located outside, but that would then bring them to St. Louis for a year? Exactly. At our core, we're an economic development organization. The way that we see our role is building the economy through entrepreneurship. So usually we award about 20 grants a year. Usually about 50% of those companies are from outside of St. Louis. And as you mentioned, it's all over the U.S., all over the world. And then 50% are companies that are already located in the region. But even with those companies, our focus is more on who are the companies that we think may have the potential to leave and how can we utilize the ARCH grant to incentivize them to stay. Okay. So so the recipients that are listed on the 2017 annual report, are those people who are now mm-hmm. going to come to St. Louis for a year and kind of utilize these services and, and see if maybe it's a good place for them to stick around? Exactly. And so they've already come in the 2017 annual report. All of them have been here since November of last year. So they're just nearing the end of their initial one-year commitment to ARCH grants. We have a a very strategic process to narrow down from hundreds and hundreds of applications to our final 20. And a big part of that process is 
what's the probability that they're going to stay in St. Louis? And so by design, if someone were to say to us, listen, we have no intention to be in St. Louis long term, but we'll come for a year. In most cases, we would say, well, then that's probably not a good fit for our trans. And we're a 501c3 nonprofit funded largely by individuals and corporations in this community. When our donors invest in us, they're doing that because of what we represent for St. Louis. And that's the ability to build these companies and have them grow here. So we make the initial investment in the companies with the strong hope and desire that they will in turn make that investment in our community. I would say at the end of this year, at least almost all of them are planning at this point to stay here beyond the year. There's a few that, you know, for one reason or another, obviously every year it it makes sense for them to go elsewhere, but we funded 114 companies as of our 2017 annual report. And of those, 103 are still in business. And of those, 88% are still here in St. Louis. That that seems like a pretty high high rate to me. Both of those rates are actually really high. The yeah. 103 from a startup perspective is, is pretty incredible in an industry where you usually see maybe 10, 20% of companies make it past a few years. Wow. And so what kind of startups does Arch Grants focus on? So we're industry agnostic in terms of the actual types of companies that we fund. We're really looking for companies that are looking to scale beyond St. Louis, but do it from a hub here in St. Louis. Okay, interesting. The 2017 annual report just came out, as we've mentioned. What in the report is the most significant to you, or or what are you the most excited about in it? In some ways, Arch Grants itself is a startup, and so we're starting to hit that stride between what it looks like to establish ourselves as a brand gain trust from the community. Now we're really getting to the point where companies are seeking us out, seeking St. Louis out. This had never been done before in 2011 when we were founded. And so this was a big risk that our founders took. And now six years in, I think it's not only meeting, but I think it's far exceeded anyone's expectations. Is there anything else in this report that you think is really interesting that I haven't touched upon yet? What we didn't dig a ton into in this report is the stories of the people and what they're doing here. This is what it looks like for people to be excited about being here in St. Louis and and building something here. Well, thank you so much, Emily. I really appreciate it. No problem. Now we're bringing in our colleague Christopher Tide for a conversation about a project we've got going on at Missouri Business Alert. Annika, Christopher, and I spent yesterday in Mexico, Missouri, talking to people about the local entrepreneurship scene. We're fresh back from this trip, but there's going to be a lot more coming out down the line from Missouri Business Alert, so continue to be checking it out. But here's a little preview. Chris. Hi, Megan. Unfortunately, there has been a prevailing narrative that in rural small town America, there is just a lack of economic opportunities. We wanted to search out to see if that's true. And and we found that in some cases it is, but in many other cases, there's rising opportunities for places like Mexico. For those who aren't familiar, there's a small city in Missouri called Mexico. It's about a 45 minute drive northeast of Columbia, and they've seen a recent uptick in businesses opening over the past couple months. So I think a good place to start with this would be with the history of Mexico. And Chris, I know that you went to the Historical Society, so could you touch on that a little bit? Yeah, I did. I I visited there and got to see some old pictures of the AP Green plant. For people that know about Mexico, Missouri, it was formerly known as the fire brick capital of the world. The AP Green plant there produced a significant amount of 
bricks that went into the steel industry. It, it sort of formed the kilns. Uh, it lined the kilns, I should say, for when they would make steel here. But as as that shifted out and other economic factors came into play, the plant inevitably shut down in 2002. And it had been open since about 1910. Almost everyone that we talked to, that was what they had mentioned. It's kind of the turning point of the town. In some ways. I spoke to a few people who had actually been around when that happened and used to work at the plant and were laid off when it closed. And they talked about it changing some things, but they also said that there were enough jobs available that it wasn't like a huge exit of people from from Mexico. People could still kind of find work. Uh, at least that's what they were saying. People could find jobs in town still. It was, it was complicated, and yeah. it was a significant drop. Uh, I spoke with folks at the city, and, and they said it was around 1,800 jobs that ended up going down the drain because yeah, of that. Yeah, so that's a lot. It, it wasn't all at once, though. It was, it was sort of a slow process over time. And so I think probably for people there, it, it wasn't just like, boop, the, the, jo- the jobs are gone. It was more like they... Next thing you know, they they looked and 10 years had passed and people had slowly flocked out of there and moved to larger cities like Colombia. I think one trend that we saw that was interesting was there's been a large uptick in the Hispanic population. I think it was right in the same time when AP Green closed that a lot of Hispanic families started moving into Mexico. Totally. And I mean, between 2000 and 2010, the Hispanic population grew 400 percent. So it's significant. Yeah, that is big. Who all did we talk to? I know that I went to the Zenith Aircraft Company and talked to the president of Zenith, Sebastian Hines. They're hosting five Nigerian students for five months up until September who are learning how to build an airplane, which they will then be taking back to Nigeria. They talked about how there's not really an industry for aircrafts, neither for building or just for flying. There's just not that opportunity. And one of the things that I had heard from Solomon Audio, the man that put it all together, was that Zenith was kind of just the company that got back the quickest. And they just had the best customer service. And they also had an airplane that was very easy to put together. Yeah, I know that we spoke to a lot of people who are running local businesses and who are starting local businesses in the town of Mexico And Chris spoke with some historians, some local business leaders, and in general, we were just trying to find people who have kind of watched the town evolve over the years and people who are working in the business scene trying to make it all happen. Hmm. Thanks for joining us in the studio, Chris. Thank you, Megan. So it's time for our final segment, Can I Get Your Digits? So, Annika, can I get your digits? Sure can, Megan. This week, my number is 3.0. The Jobs Act 3.0 is a package of bills that won approval from the U.S. House this week. It was voted through in a landslide vote of 406 to 4. Among other provisions, this would make pursuing IPOs easier. It would expand the definition of accredited investors, and and that would make it easier to invest in early-stage companies. Megan, can I get your digits? Of course you can. Mine is 15 million. That's the number of animals WeWorks co-founder Miguel McKelvey says will be saved by 2023. 15 million animals now that they've eliminated meat from company events. WeWork, a global operator of co-working spaces, announced the effort in a company-wide email, saying that moving forward we will not serve or pay for meat at WeWork events and want to clarify that this includes poultry and pork as well as red meat. Now, this doesn't mean that employees or members can't bring their own meat or that members can't serve meat at their own events. According to WeWork, becoming a meat-free organization is a new tactic in the push toward corporate sustainability. Cool. I think that's about it. Let's end this week's episode with an entrepreneurship tip from Diana Kander, an entrepreneur and author from Kansas City. Check out Annika's article about her webinar last Thursday at our website. 
Facts about your customers and their worldview can change overnight, and the only way to know when that change happens is to always be asking. This has been Speaking Startup from Missouri Business Alert. This episode was produced and edited by me, Megan Liz Smith. Thank you to Annika Merrilies for hosting with me. Our theme music was produced by Poddington Bear. We'll speak to you next week.